as we wrap up Mark chapter 16 in the Gospel of Mark, we enter a little conflict or difficulty, and the major question is, how does this story end? Because there are a couple conflicting accounts. I'm just going to start by reading Mark chapter 16, verse 1. It says this, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, well, who's going to roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? And when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Then trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. And they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. I believe this is the end of Mark's gospel. I think this is where he concludes, which you have to admit, it's sort of like if you've been to a movie and you were just in the, enthralled by the entire story of the movie, and then you get to the very end and it just it's over, and you're like, what? That's, that's how this ends? And so it seems the early church had difficulty with the ending as well because it added verses 9 to 20, but my best guess is based on, in fact, what you'll see is uh, in your um, Bibles, the very next statement that you'll often find is this phrase that the earliest uh, manuscript evidence. The earliest manuscripts and some other ancient witnesses do not have verses 9 to 20. The early church fathers from Origen to Jerome have no knowledge, don't seem to have any indication of a longer ending. It looks like even the early church said, no, we're not going to finish this story like this. There's no post-resurrection appearance. There's no conversation with the disciples. And so it seems that they have added on And it's a different style than the rest of the gospel. The Greek language is even different than what Mark has used thus far. Don't forget, Mark is a man of few words. It would not surprise me at all if this is how he ended his gospel. And he has always emphasized the need for faith, and that ending preserves it. And my guess is it is a call to the readers. Basically, what will you do? In light of Jesus' resurrection, will you go out afraid and tell no one, or... Like almost every other character in Mark's gospel, when they experience the power of God, even when Jesus says, don't tell anybody, what do they do? They tell everybody. They can't help but tell everyone. Jesus is now alive. So here's how the others, uh, verse 9, is. we'll read the ending here. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping, and when they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it, right? Even after Jesus had given them many warnings. Afterwards, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the leaven as they were eating, and he rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world. And preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. 
They will pick up snakes with their hands, and when, they drink, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. And after the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. But in the same way that Mark does not provide a why to the crucifixion, in these few verses, he does not provide a why to the resurrection. But it isn't hard for us to see, and what later writers will provide for us is, if the story ends at Jesus' death, like if it just ends at chapter 15, then we have a story of a great man, maybe even a God-man, whose story is complete in the same way as all the rest of humanity, and that is death. And you can admire his sacrifice in it. You might even revere his obedience. And maybe even the effect of that death had in regards to paying a price for reconciliation to God. But the story would still be a tragedy. And you know who would get the final word? Death. Death would get the final word. And you need to know that the Bible does not view death as a friend. And sometimes we kind of get in that... uh, place, you know, some of you hear that at funerals, maybe somebody's kind of had an extended illness and kind of, you know, oh, sweet death, come and ushered us to the Lord. The Bible never pictures death as a friend, as some companion that's going to usher us into the presence of God, for the scripture's death is always an enemy. In fact, it is the last enemy to be defeated. It is the final nail in the disruption that occurred to God's good creation. And what Mark wants us to know is Jesus triumphed over it. And this is what makes him Lord and God. Paul will later say to the church in Corinth in chapter 15, verse 14, If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless. And you know what else is useless? So is your faith. Or he'll say in verse 17, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. What that means is, listen, if they were to ever find like the bones of Jesus in a tomb and prove it were Jesus, we're done. That's it. Paul says, like everything hinges on this one thing. He came back to life again. He said this in verse 20 of the same chapter, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion and authority and power for he must reign until he has put all of his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For he has put everything under his feet. Now when it says that everything has been put under his feet it's clear that does not include God himself who put everything under Christ. When he has done this then the Son himself will be made subject to him and put everything under him so that God may be all in all. And just so you know, when it says first fruits, you too experience resurrection. Someday, you get a new body. It will be a different one, immortal, imperishable. Paul will say this in verse 53, For the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What makes Jesus victorious, Christus victor, is that he stared in the face of death, and he overcame it. He has removed from death the ability to have the last word. Do you know who now gets the last word? Jesus. Jesus gets the last word.
He does because of who He is. And we belong to Him. This is our good news. So as we start, Mark chapter 1, verse 1, he says, let me tell you a story. The beginning of the good news that Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And now we can say after eight weeks, this is the end of our story. The story concerning the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, who is the Son of God. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together and pray. We'll worship together. God, we give you thanks that death did not have the last word, and that for us, death will never have the last word. The last word has been extended to your son, Jesus, and that word in all situations is always life. And so, Lord, we give you thanks. And I pray, Lord, that this story that Mark has shared with us will impact us and change us and transform us, that even as we walk out of here, we'll be aware of not only how much you love us, but also of the life that you've extended to us through his resurrection and what it means to look just like him in everything that we do. Would you give us wisdom in that? So, Lord, we lift up our voices to praise you that our king is not dead, but he is alive. In his name we pray. Amen.